Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and another great day for England. They're still batting after three days at the MCG with a lead of 164 and Alistair Cook, an absolutely monumental effort by him. He's now sixth in the all-time list of test run makers. That is something, a real feather in the cap for, for Britain, for England and, well, I mean, these powers of concentration, Simon, that, that Alistair Cook has, ten hours in the middle, that's that's better than you, with three days of commentary with two different commentary stations. Well, hats off to Alistair Cook, a brilliant innings, 244 not out, ten and a half hours, in fact, 409 balls, his fifth double hundred in test cricket, five double hundreds in test cricket, he's gone past three more players in this innings on the list, he's also scored the highest score by a visiting player at the MCG. There is a relentlessness, a remorselessness about Alistair Cook, but that is to sort of damn him with faint praise. I thought his, his innings was a, a very high technical quality, and that sounds a stupid thing to say when he made 244, but they, those drives down the ground, in fact, the, the drive that he reached his double hundred with just exemplified how well he's played. That, that crispness, he's playing in the V and, and pulling and cutting as well magnificently, and Australia blunted by Alistair Cook today. OK, no Mitchell Stark, but this has been a, a remarkable comeback from Cook. 83 runs in the series so far. Uh, you know, people say, oh, well, it, it doesn't matter, it's, it's a dead rubber. But 200,000 people have turned up at the NCG to watch this Test match. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. And uh, that really irritates me, actually, when people on Twitter go, well, he's done it now uh, in, a, in a match that doesn't count. There's no pressure. England, the Ashes have already gone. You know, it, it's a non-pressure environment. What? A non-pressure environment? The MCG, the cricket ground that holds pretty much the most number of people in the world, apart from maybe Eden Gardens in Calcutta. And it's the Boxing Day Test match. 
and his career is on the line and there's 70,000 people in the ground, how can you say that's no pressure? The pressure is absolutely enormous. And to be able to deal with that and respond to it as he has, it, it's just, you know, you run out of superlatives, really, I think, for, for a guy like Alistair Cook. How good is he in, in the pantheon of, of great run makers? Well, he's, he's up there, isn't he? He's now sixth in the list. He's gone past Brian Lara. Of course, he's not as exciting to watch as Brian Lara, but his impact on a game, his importance to a team, his incredible powers of concentration are, are second to none. And I, I, I just hold my hat up to him. I mean, you know, the fact that he came back with that 100 uh, on the second day and then has built on it with another 140 runs today, it's the definition of insatiability. And you, you mentioned about his driving, Simon. I, I, there were times in this innings where he almost looked like Matthew Hayden, Big stride down the pitch, hitting the ball on the up back past the bowler with with power and an authority and, and almost a bit of, of of arrogance actually. And I think that's what he needed was to just adopt a slightly more positive mindset when you're in that rut of low scores and trying to search for your, you know your your rhythm and your flow and you don't know how to get there. I think the best mode of defence is attack in a way. Try and get that positive flow and rhythm going you know it's interesting listening to Alistair Cook after the innings talking about what he'd done differently and in a way you obviously you have this deep reservoir of self-belief which he's drawn on to to try and um, and make runs but it's also about just finding that flow and he said I've got a lot of moving parts in my batting and sometimes they're out of sync and things just don't happen at the right time. But here in this innings, it clicked together, and the, the movements and the flow into the ball were much smoother. You get into better positions, you transfer your weight better, the bat comes through at the right moment. It's all nanoseconds, but when it clicks, it's a beautiful feeling, and there you are, the results are, are there to see. 244, not out, still batting. Yeah, the chance to get a few more tomorrow with Jimmy Anderson. And the other thing as well about that, it, you, know, you say, oh, he's, he's sixth in the list. And they say, oh, well, he's, he's not as good as some of the other players. And, you know, he's, he's played a lot of test matches and his average is in the 40s. The whole point is he has been on the field for 151 test matches. He has had that, that fitness level, those concentration levels, the stamina levels to get himself right and ready for 151 test matches. It's easy to forget that. You know, some people can't get themselves on the park for that much. You know, that mental and physical challenge, not just the technical, but the mental and physical challenge as well of actually playing it. And I remember before Perth, when I was talking to him about you know, playing 150 games, I said to him, what was his highlight? And he said, being able to play all those games in a row. What was it he played all in a row? It was something like 140 test matches all in a row without being injured or sick or whatever. Or dropped, okay, he, of course. Or dropped, exactly, or dropped. And this is the point, he's got himself on the field. So and that is an amazing achievement in itself. And it, it should not be underestimated, not by any means. Well, that's quite a good point. And in fact, there were, you know, it's about coming back from failure, I think, which is the, the, the strength of mind required is something that not, not many people have, actually, to be able to come back from constant failure and actually dealing with the, the, the difficulty of always batting against the new ball. I mean, it's interesting the other day I was looking at the most number of ducks in test cricket and, you know, the inevitable people like Courtney Walsh, number 11, are up there and, you know, someone like Devon Malcolm, Glenn McGrath. But in that list of the most number of ducks in test cricket was also Michael Atherton, one of England's best ever openers. And the fact is, you're opening the batting, you do get very good balls with a brand new ball, with a fresh, fast bowler, 
that, that that are unplayable and and you get out for naught. So it's the most demanding place to bat. Alistair Cook has, has has occupied that space now for most of his career, and he is sixth in the all time list, the only opener in the top ten. That in itself is incredible, and you have to deal with failure because you're going to get those good balls, you're going to get those low scores. I think there's a there's an interesting tweet today from Raul Dravid. The, the great Indian, who says, I batted 604 times for India. I didn't cross 50 runs 410 times out of those innings. I failed a lot more times than I succeeded. I'm more a failure than a success. Uh, that's an interesting way of looking at your career. And, but in a way, it's a quite a realistic way. Everyone is going to fail. Failure is inevitable. And it's how you deal with failure, how you come back from that and prove to yourself and everyone else that you still have the ability, which in a way is, is the, the highest accolade that you can give Alistair Cook. You know, he has looked rubbish at times and he's admitted it himself. He, you know, he's embarrassed about some of his batting even in this series. But he's got that strength of mind and obviously that ability and that skill to come back from those failures and prove he's still a success. Yeah, and the other the other point is as well. I, I, I mean, people question whether he should continue in this England side. Oh, he's you know he's been playing for twelve years. He's, he's come to the end. He's been found out. And I, I think I made this point yesterday. But it's worth making it again. I think there, the, the the only question mark over him is whether he believes that he has still got something to give to this England side. And perhaps this innings has convinced him. But you know, sometimes you do doubt yourself. Inevitably, anything you do in life. You've been doing it well, and you've been doing it for a long time. Sometimes you think, actually, am I quite as good as I used to be? Is it time to stop doing it and start doing something else? And it's, it's inevitable that when you've been playing for so long, you haven't been scoring many runs. He's had a, a pretty lean year. I know you made that double hundred against West Indies at Edgbaston. That was a, not a great attack, and it was a very flat pitch. He, he did come up with a, a fine innings at the Oval against South Africa, where he made. 88 and he said actually that was his best innings of the summer but he's had a relatively lean time of it and you you must question yourself it's inevitable have I have I still got it you know you know it's not just about other people saying it it's about you thinking it yourself and he, he said to me before Perth you know I, I did I do doubt myself you know almost before every innings I played unquestionably you know it's it's just human isn't it if you fail a few times you are going to doubt yourself another person who I'm sure will be relieved as much as exhilarated by this performance is his coach Gary Palmer who I've I've been and visited a couple of times and he's a guy that played for Somerset in the 1980s the uh, relative of Ken and Roy Palmer the, the former umpires and former players and the Palmer family a bit of a sort of dynasty actually down in Somerset but uh, Gary actually has been kind of slightly out of the scene on the coaching front. He's he's a very innovative coach, but hasn't been recognised until recently by the ECB. He's tended to sort of operate slightly out on the periphery of the game. But Alistair Cook took him on about three years ago to work with him, and he's got a, a strategy. He's called he calls it the the four angles, and he's set up his academy near Oxford, and he's got the bowling machine set up for left arm over and right arm over, and he bowls swingers with this bowling machine both ways with both angles, left arm over and right arm over, in-swingers and out-swingers from both sides, and basically just works on the batsman's method of moving forward into the ball. Quite often he does 
uh, a little drill where you don't actually move your feet. You just hit the ball with your hands and then follow the ball afterwards, sort of shuffling down the pitch afterwards. He's a great believer in your shoelaces pointing down the pitch rather than batting being a sideways on game and having your left shoulder or right shoulder, if you're a left-hander, pointing at the bowler, actually having a bit more chest facing the bowler and having your shoelaces almost aligned, pointing down the wicket to allow the bat to come through. That's something he's done a lot of work with Alistair Cook on. And you can see the dividends paying off in, in this innings where he was stepping into the drive and hitting the ball down the ground. I've never seen him actually hit the ball so straight. And he even came down the wicket to the spinner and knocked him over the top as well. A, a, a little sign of, of his increasing confidence. And, you know, it was a fantastic exhibition of how to construct an innings 30 runs in the first session today even though he was 100 not out he completely uh, adhered himself to the crease you know absolutely nailed down that that first session so that no one could get him out uh, you know sort of whelk like defense to make sure that nothing could get through and allow the other batsmen to, to to find their way but none of them really did I suppose Joe Root, disappointing dismissal, incidentally. A little bit of a sucker punch, that, a bouncer, which uh, he just helped uh, down deep square leg. And you thought at that point, oh dear, here we go again. England are going to fail to really capitalise on a good start. But Cook just anchored that whole performance. And, uh, you know, obviously allowed someone like to Stuart Broad to flourish at the end because partly he'd given that, that, that foundation to the innings, but also he tired the bowlers out, he worn them down, and their bounces weren't quite as potent, perhaps, as they would have been otherwise. Yeah, Cook played a couple of shots today that I don't think I've seen him play before. You, you mentioned the, the shimmy down the pitch and dinking Lyon over mid on for four. That was in the 190s as well, so you know, they must have felt a, a bit of a risk. And also, he crushed one through the offside on the up. I mean, we talked about his, his driving down the ground, straight down the ground, but he also hit one through cover on the up, and that was a, a magnificent shot as well. But he did need support from Stuart Broad. England were in danger of squandering a, a good position in the game, a very good position. Remember, they were they were 192 for two overnight. They were they were making decent enough progress. As you, there was the root dismissal, there was the strange Milan one where he got an inside edge onto his pad, and it, and it wasn't reviewed. Best I was out caught behind as well, frantic innings from Moen, which was a, a strange effort from him. England were in danger of not getting a, a big enough lead, as Cook said afterwards, and then Stuart Broad came in, and he found a way, he found a way, albeit on a pitch that was not quite so terrifying as the one they, they played on in Perth, and Broad, towards the end, he was having great fun, giving himself some room and cutting and carving and slicing, and a, a well-deserved half-century and a century partnership has given England an excellent chance in this game. The last thing you want, actually, as a tiring fast bowler when you've been out there a day and a half is someone like Stuart Broad, who is a kind of moving target, backing away outside leg and going across to the offside and slicing, carving, hacking the ball into strange areas. You don't know where to set the field. You don't know where to, to bowl. It's funny, but uh, you know he's got so much ability with the bat. If only he could stand still, actually, sometimes and believe in himself a bit more. He's been, obviously... Uh, ruffled up a, a bit in this series by the quick bowlers and over the last year or two by the, the bouncer that hit him in the face from the Indians a couple of years ago, which has certainly freaked him out a bit. It was funny, actually. I sat with his father, Chris Broad, at breakfast in Perth in this series. And, you know, we get on well. We, we played against each other a lot over the years. And I was talking to, to him about Stuart's batting. And, and Chris is sort of exasperated because although... <laughs> 
Stuart, of course, has got the bragging rights in the family. He's got the highest test score, 167, whereas Chris only made 160 in his test career. But Chris finds the way that Stuart's batting has deteriorated really disappointing. And he said to me, he never listens to me. He said, Stuart never listens to me. Of course, you know, boys never listen to their dads. But uh, I've said to him before the Perth test, just watch the ball. Watch the way that someone like Johnny Bairstow plays the bouncer and ducks underneath it, watches it go by, and that almost takes the fear away. As soon as you take your eye off the ball, uh, it, you know, you get into trouble. So watch the ball. And apparently it was a revelation to Stuart. He said, oh, my God, I- I've tried that in the nets. It's incredible. It-, it really works, watching the ball. So maybe he's taken that into his innings in Melbourne. He certainly did watch the ball. I mean, at, at times it was in slightly strange positions, but he watched the ball and he delivered. He got 56. So uh, he's learning as he's going. He's incredible. You can get to over 100 test matches and score a test 100 and forget about a, a simple basic like that. He was hit early on. And after that, he played very well indeed. He was, he was getting in behind the ball. It is a slower pitch than the one in Perth. And, he, and there were two or three occasions early on in his innings where he was in behind a short ball and then dropping it onto the pitch. And that is, that is a high degree of, of technical skill to do that, especially with a short leg in who's, who's just lurking for the one that goes in the air. But he was able to drop the ball onto the surface. So he, he played magnificently today. And having Cook at the other end clearly helped because he was, he was playing for Cook's double hundred. And they were also playing for the lead as well because they knew the lead wasn't big enough. But it might well be now, Simon, 164 runs ahead. The Melbourne weather uh, might play a little part. There seems to be a a divergence on on what's going to happen tomorrow. It rained when we left the ground tonight. Uh, Some showers forecast for tomorrow. England clearly will want as much time as possible in this game. It's not not going to be easy to get players out on this pitch if Australia play in a disciplined fashion, uh, i.e. a a Smith-like fashion or a Sean Marsh like fashion as we saw in the second test at Adelaide and a, and a cook-like fashion as we saw today and yesterday. So it won't be easy, but clearly they've got a chance, scoreboard pressure, uh, they got the ball to just do a little bit, the old ball to do a little bit uh, when they bowled to Australia on the second morning. So there are possibilities here for England in this game. Have Australia got the, the wherewithal to fight themselves out of a difficult position, a potentially match-losing situation, which they've not been in so far in this series. OK, they've been behind at times, but that has been early in the game rather than late in the game. Now they're going to be under pressure late in the game. Well, it's been a late Christmas treat from the chef, a monumental effort by Alistair Cook to get England into this fantastic position. No doubt he'll try and bat on in the morning, get as many as he can, and we'll all drink to that. He's restored some pride in English cricket. OK, the ashes are gone, but England can still win the MCG Test match, and I think that's something to savour, don't you think? Absolutely. Even Cook is going to raise a glass tonight. He said, I'm going to have a beer. He said, I don't care. I'm, I'm still batting, but I'm going to have a beer tonight. He's been on the field all three days of this test match. I must just mention a, a tweet from Ali Martin of The Guardian, which really caught my eye and I thought was, was wonderful. You mentioned Cook's uh, nickname there, Chef, obviously Cook, Chef. He wrote one word, Master Chef. Beautifully put. I think we'll leave it there and speak to you tomorrow. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.